Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where we talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff. We're going to be talking about the tech industry, going to be talking about Elon Musk, and talking a little bit about the SBF FTX saga. Buckle up. So the predator for the tech industry, there was a passage from the All In podcast that talked about the complacency in big tech. And David, who is part of the All In podcast, said that the lack of pain, the lack of risk, the lack of downside, the lack of having no safety net and falling through the pits removes so much of the incentive to succeed and drive and innovate. He was talking about how basically everybody has a family now in big tech and they don't want to work grueling hours. Because of that, that lack of pain, that lack of risk, we're starting to see a lot of complacency in big tech workplaces. There was also a tweet from Jack Altman that said one problem tech needs to unwind is that it has become too attractive, lucrative, lifestyle prestige to be a full-time investor rather than a builder. The ratios are just off and it stops our industry from reaching its full potential. I think these problems are pretty intertwined. I would say that investors actually cause a lot of the issues that we face. Yeah, I know, I know. Silicon Valley has aged. Big tech has become people who do want work-life balance and time with their families. And I think most people would agree that that's an okay thing. We have a very short life here on earth and it's important to spend time with people that you care about. But I would also say that VCs and investors have completely skewed the incentives for what to work on, creating some of the complacency that we do see. So I wanted to tie it together three different threads here. There's a research paper that looked at how single cell algae evolved to become multicellular and they do that as a response to a predator in the environment. So if you introduce something for them to be afraid of, they're going to evolve. They're going to change some things. So that's a core thesis of how we went from being unicellular so, so many years ago to becoming multicellular introduction of a predator. There was also a brilliant video from Frankie's Cultural Observations that talked about why the majority of the male college population has a skin fade and North Face jacket combo. Frankie says that this is the human embodiment of the culture industry and a deliberate manufacturer of sameness. So all these guys wearing the exact same thing, it makes them all look the same, sure, but it's also deliberate to a certain degree. You don't want to stand out from the crowd. Then there's a tweet from Anil Dash that says it's impossible to overstate how much the big tech CEOs and VCs are being radicalized by living within their own bubble. The level of paranoia and contrived victimization is off the charts and they increasingly only consume media that they have funded, created by acolytes, and Post is a great example of that. All of these things are important to looking at the complacency problem that David was talking about in big tech. There is no predator in big tech. Especially in the world of zero interest rates, it was exceptionally easy to raise money. It's pattern mashing, B2B SaaS, low risk stakes, people like Adam Newman, founder's first thesis. This allowed the industry to continue being unicellular organisms because there was nothing ever working against them. It was super easy. The systemic incentives encouraged them to never evolve. And when I say easy, I mean it's hard, but it was easy relatively speaking. So skin fade and North Face jacket combo. Complacency is actually encouraged in a sense. It's much easier to build a B2B SaaS product or a neobank that no one actually needs because software sells to financialization sells. So everyone thinks that they are doing things differently, but really they're all doing the exact same thing. The bubble. The tweet from Anil is pretty self-explanatory, but if you follow some of the bigger VCs or tech guys on Twitter, they've become increasingly concerned with wokeness and a perceived change in the status quo. So it's sort of a combination of all those things resulting in a perceived complacency in big tech. There's a weird complex that exists, one in which there isn't an actual predator, enabling stagnation, the aqua-hire culture too, and manufactured steamness in a bubble that has become a breeding ground for fear. Also, tech is changing. The world of zero interest rates probably enabled more behavior than we can calculate. The golden age of tech might have ended where you could take virtually no risk, make a lot of money like the Fang guy who's frustrated that he can't afford a $10 million home with his $2.5 million net worth, and he's complaining about that. As Lewis points out, this is who software runs for now. The entire industry is structured basically just to make this guy $2.5 million net worth want a $10 million home to, to be happy. And there has to be some sort of recalibration to risk and reward, and it seems like tech is going through that right now. Silicon Valley will start to care about history. As the article Everything is Innovative When You Ignore the Past highlights, we are not 
special, but we certainly make up stories to make it seem as such. And big tech has capitalized that, founders first, however you want to think about it. They think they're really special, and they're not. Perhaps a stretch, but the Fed raising interest rates might be the predator that the tech environment needs to evolve. So Fed meeting minutes. The Fed was like, yeah, we're going to be slow in our roll, but we really don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. The labor market's improving, but like not fast enough improving, right? Like improvement to them is a deterioration in the labor market. They'll stop one day. The hikes will hit you in the face, but maybe in a few months. The terminal rate is higher, but they want to make sure that things are sufficiently restrictive. So it's not about pace anymore. It's not how fast they go. It's about how high they get that end rate. It does seem like a recession is their baseline thesis, which is surprising news. And they are exceptionally worried about wage inflation, driving inflation, the economy moving forward. Inflation expectations are still kind of high, which isn't great for avoiding that entrenched vibes-based inflationary spiral. So they want to bump rates up, keep them high, but they're more and more uncertain about the path forward to do that. So with FTX, I'm just going to talk about this really quickly. Tornado Cash developer is detained for another three months, while SBF is set to speak at a New York Times event, apparently from the Bahamas, but it's just gross. BitBoy is there right now, like crawling over the Bahamas and trying to find SBF. And it's just become, of course, it's it's become content. It's become sensationalized. It's become something more than what it ever should have been. SBF says that FTX failed due to a tumbling in collateral because of the market crash, dry up of liquidity, a bank run. But FTX also invested $11.5 million in this random Farmington State bank that has like three employees. It's just a spiral of stupidity. There was also a deep fake SBF that was a phishing scam. They bought 15 properties worth nearly $100 million in 20, uh, 2021 and 2022. Their lawyers are building $2,000 an hour. The prosecutors were apparently investigating FTX via the Bank Secrecy Act for months. FTX and Alameda, of course, lost $3.7 billion before 2022. There was red flags everywhere, of course. Yeah, and then the digital currency group Domino's are kind of going under. BlockFi just declared bankruptcy. But DCG is a big dog in institutional crypto. They own Genesis, their trading unit for Wall Street dollars. Grayscale, their asset management arm, which sponsors GPTC, a trust that tracks the price of Bitcoin. DCG also owns Coindesk, and they're currently in a web of financial trouble. DCG currently owes $2 billion, with over half of that owed to Genesis, their internal trading arm, and $350 million to external creditors. DCG borrowed money from Genesis to buy more GPTC, the web gets so weaved, a series of unfortunate events happen, and it's become pretty hard for them to pay back that loan. They stepped in to save through Ares Capital, and those guys are freaking tweeting on Twitter right now, which is insane. They're tweeting and giving life advice, and they're like, oh my gosh, when I lost a bunch of people's money, I was feeling bad about myself, and now I feel better. Sign up for my course. Disgusting. Anyway, that story is rapidly unfolding, and there was a good survey, though, released by Coinbase that dove into the sentiment of things, and it seems like most of the institutional crypto industry is no longer behind the number go up thesis, but they are settling in for a winter ahead with 60% planning to buy and hold. I talked a little bit more about DCG in the newsletter itself, kyla.substack.com, if you want to go read it, but the story is rapidly evolving. I'm sure I'll have another video out about FTX, SBF, and the dominoes that are tipping across the industry this week, but hope y'all are doing okay. I know that the holiday times can be rough, and if you celebrate it, I hope you had a peaceful and restorative time. I hope you're doing okay out there. I'm and hanging in there. I'll see you very soon. If you want to subscribe, that is so helpful. Share with a friend. So helpful. It's kyla.substack.com. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Um, and, and I'll see you all soon.